And good morning, everybody. Happy Palm Sunday. What a beautiful spring day we have out there, at least in my imagination. And uh, exciting, exciting day, exciting week ahead. I, ha- I need to tell our Colonial Heights campus something really exciting about our Midlothian campus. Our Midlothian campus this weekend, yesterday morning, uh, egged a whole bunch of houses. Now, I know that sounds a little... I, I egged houses when I was a teenager, and I got in a significant amount of trouble for it. But they, they did a different kind of egging. They came up with this idea of uh, that the members of the, of the campus went out into their homeowners associations and asked, hey, would you like somebody to come and hide eggs in your yard and bring an Easter basket full of gifts and then use the basket to hide the eggs? And whoever wanted that, our, our church would go and do that for them. And uh, they, the, goal, the goal was to do that for 50 children. Well, they, they announced that I think two, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, yesterday, it ended up being just a little over 450 children uh, at, at over 200 homes. And, uh, you know, Midlothian's a big, big community, but word had gotten out about that. And this past Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, businesses were calling our Midlothian campus saying, hey, could we put something in y'all's basket? And uh, so really exciting. You guys are awesome, and I know had a great day out there. So excited to see going out in their community and, and making a difference and uh, just creating a positive experience to create an opportunity for the gospel and the word of God. Amen. Well, fun story about your pastor. Uh, so most of what I say up here is planned. I, I, I work on that. I write a manuscript. I go over it. And if you had the manuscript in front of you, you could say, boy, he's saying exactly what he planned on saying. But, you know, every now and then, a couple of Sundays here and there, I'll have like 1% or 2% I didn't plan on saying. It just kind of came out, you know, by the Spirit. At least that's what I tell myself. And uh, so last week, I had one of those 1% or 2% moments. Y'all remember when I kind of took off on gas blowers? I think I may have even made the comment, you know, if you use a gas blower on Sunday, I'm pretty sure you go straight to hell. And, and so anyway, I, I, you know, we had a wonderful Sunday morning, and I went home, and uh, my, my wife is having a mother-daughter Bible study, and it, it's uh, normally at a clubhouse, but last Sunday it was going to be at our house, and uh, I got home, and I was out, outside, and our driveway, I've got these trees dropping the, these, this red stuff. It's kind of like a flower pollen, but my driveway is red. And so I'm thinking, oh, all these people are going to track all this into the house. And I go inside, and I said, Karen, I, I can't believe these words come out of my mouth. <laughs> I said, Karen, I think I'm going to have to blow the driveway. And she, she looks at me like I've lost my mind, which is a look I'm very used to seeing. In, in our house. And, and she said, you know, she said, you better not. And uh, she, so then she says, why don't you sweep? The, well, not, uh, that would be actual work. I mean, it would take me like an hour to sweep the driveway. I'm not going to do that. What do you know? And so I go outside and I'm looking around, you know, because I'm getting ready to hide the body. And um, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, it's two, two minutes, two, two minutes. I mean, before any of the angels look, I'll be done. And, and so I, I, I go out there and, you know, start it up. I blow, and I'm done. I'm done in two minutes. And I run and I hide it, pull the garage door down. Nobody saw. And uh, I'm, I'm back out in the front yard with my, my dog. And there's 
two neighbors walking up the street. And you know how you can tell, you know, I look at them and realize they're not just walking up the street, they're walking to to me, to to my house. And um, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, well, I wonder what this is about. And so we've lived in our neighborhood like over 18 years. But we moved this summer, and so we're on a new street. And I know this family because our, our kids were in high school together. And so I know who they are. But we, we haven't been around each other a lot. And they're walking over. And so I'm, I'm kind of waving because I just buried a body, right? So, you know, you're nervous. You're nervous for a little while. And I, hey. And uh, the guy says, was that you blowing and I'm thinking, this is not real. This is not, I mean, like, I'm literally, I'm, I'm like having a panic attack. You know, I'm starting to, to breathe heavy. And I kind of got that nervous laughter, you know. <laughs> and, and so I'm saying, now that he, people blow all the time. This, this, this isn't because it's, it's Sunday. And so I'm thinking, he, he's, he had to have watched the message. First time, by the way, I thought, I wish nobody would watch us online. There, there's something so much better to do with your time, Don't, especially if you're my neighbor. And so he, he starts laughing and he says, yeah, we watched today. And I'm like, oh, great. And so, so then I, I said, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize y'all were, were watching us online. How, how often, how long have you been watching? He said, today was the first day. <laughs> so you know there's no reason to ever watch again now, right? And so, uh, you know, I just want you to know, when I leave here on Sunday, sometimes it takes me upwards towards two hours to be a hypocrite, and, uh, but only about 30 seconds to get caught at it. So it was, uh, it was a fun moment. And I go inside, and my wife is going. So, again, another look I'm, I'm pretty used to. So we're going to celebrate today the Lord's Supper, which I obviously need, and... Uh, if you would open your Bibles to Luke 22. By the way, everybody should have gotten on the way in. Did y'all get your new little chalice? Isn't that nice looking? For our, our Lord's Supper today, if you don't have one, you might want to get up and head to the doors and they'll help you get that. Same as true out at Midlothian. You should already have this. Now, don't open it yet. The top doesn't go back on, okay? So, so hold on to it, but we'll, we'll take this in a little bit. And uh, when we're all done, we actually have one more song after Lord's Supper. But when we're all done, if you would carry it, and there's trash receptacles at the door. You know, we don't, with everybody touching it and putting it on our mouth, we don't want to have anybody have to come pick up after that afterwards. So if everybody would just, you may want to keep this, right? That's a nice little memento. So that's a lot of fun there. So we'll, we'll have that. Yeah, they're coming down the aisle, making it easy for you. And <laughs> so now if you're at home, I can't give you one of these today, but you may want to get up and get something uh, to be able to take the Lord's Supper with us in just a moment. Look with me at Luke 22 uh, in your Bible on a Bible app. Get to Luke 22, and uh, I'm going to begin in verse 14. If this is maybe a new story for you, not real familiar with it, this is taking place on Thursday night of Passion Week. That would be this coming Thursday night. And uh, we are literally a couple of hours away from Jesus being arrested. We are within 24 hours of him being executed. And he knows that. The, The people he's sharing this moment with don't know that, but he knows what is about to happen. So just for a moment, just kind of stop and think, hey, what would be your feelings in this moment? What, what would be going on inside of you as you enter this moment and you know what is getting ready to unfold? Luke chapter 22, verse 14. 
When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup when he had given thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, again, our our question, what we're thinking about is, what would you be thinking? What would you be feeling as you entered this moment if you knew what was getting ready to happen in just a matter of hours. Uh, You know, have you ever gotten into a a car to go somewhere? And as you get in the car, you know that when you get out of the car, bad things are going to happen. You you know, maybe you're getting in a a car and you're, you're driving to the funeral of a loved one. Maybe you're getting into the car and you're going to court. Usually raises some anxiety for us. Maybe you're getting in the car and you're, you're driving to school for a final exam that you are maybe just a little less than what you would call prepared for. Maybe you're six years old and you're just going to a routine dental exam. You know the feeling I'm talking about right here? You know, you know what that moment's like? I think of a moment like that. We were getting in the car and it was all packed to the hilt and my oldest child was sitting back there. She looked so small in that moment and we were heading down 460 to 81 and back onto 460 to take her to Blacksburg and Virginia Tech, our, our first child going to college. And very excited about the moment, very excited for her, but this was going to end family as we knew it. At least that's what I felt like in that moment, right? I, I mean, everything that Karen and I had known and loved and, and, and just d- defined life by for the last 18 years, that was, that was radically changing. And it, it wasn't going to stop with her. Then it'd be Amy and then, and then Colin and then Randy. And then it's all gone. It'll never be like this again. Which is interesting how it turned out because, I mean, every stage of their lives is kind of has its different good moments, right? And some not so good moments. But every stage has those moments. And actually, the last 10 or 12 years have been just incredible. We have so loved watching these years as they move out into the world. But I didn't know that at that moment, right? That, that's one of those moments where I know what I'm losing, but I don't have any clue of what I'm I'm getting. So you're focused on what you're losing. And so while we're driving to this exciting moment, excitement, what and what I was feeling inside. You know, I I, kind of dreaded this moment. I didn't really want it to happen. I got in the car and I knew that that once I once we got out of the car, it'd never be the same again. Man, I just can't help but happen, help but think that as Jesus gets into that moment, if we could think of the Lord's Supper kind of metaphorically as a car ride, when he steps into this moment, boy, when he steps out of the car, when he steps out of the Lord's Supper, things will violently spin out of control. He'll be betrayed, he'll be arrested. He'll be horrifically tortured in a way that I don't think we can even really fully grasp. And then he'll be hung on a cross to die. How do you do anything but dread this moment? 
And, and yet, did you notice the first words out of his mouth when they sat down at the table? I have earnestly desired this moment. In the actual language, it says, I have greatly desired, or I have greatly desired this moment. How, how would you desire this? You know, we, we don't think a lot about Jesus' emotions in any story, much less this one. I mean, isn't it natural just to kind of think of Jesus as emotionless, kind of a pasty smile on his face that says, I love you, but after that, it's just kind of blank for a lot of us. But he is actually communicating some emotions here. Now, as we come to this moment around the Lord's table, we're not thinking about his emotions or any emotions. I mean, all of our attention is immediately drawn to what's on the table and everything on the table in a Passover meal. Everything was incredibly symbolic. Everything had a story with it. And in the Christian faith, we come to that and we know we're looking at this, this body and this blood, the, the bread and the wine, and we're thinking today about the product of that broken body, the product of that spilled blood. And it is a, a new relationship, a new fellowship, a new intimacy with God and with others. Did you pick up the last part I just said there? And with others. We, we're rightly going to focus in a moment on, on God and our, our relationship with Him. But it also brings us into a relationship with either with each other. Because the, the broken body and the spilled blood doesn't just afford me the opportunity to be a child of God. But it brings me into a new family of God. I, I think this is such an important concept to grasp for any person at, at any time, but especially in America. Because we are intensely individualistic. We, we, we have, we're we're kind of dialed in, whatever our thoughts, we think this way, but not so much this way. The New Testament has no idea of how you and I approach this. Our way of approaching this is very foreign to the Scriptures. In the Scripture, you can't talk about a relationship with God and not at the same time be talking about a relationship with each other. But we've managed to separate that out, haven't we? I, I can be very dialed in on my relationship with God. As a matter of fact, we may even use the idea of my private my faith is private. That's not really has anything to do with you. It's this moment is is private. And and I have no concept of this out here. You, you know, a relationship with God and a relationship with God's people is that that proverbial two sides of the same coin. If you don't have both sides, you don't have a coin. They go hand in hand. They they go together. Now, as we come to this moment, we, we're going to rightly feel and experience a very individual moment. I, I mean, I'm, I'm coming into this moment and I'm, I'm thinking about what God's done for me. By His love, by His work, I'm a child of God, forgiven of my sins. I have eternal life and just a whole host of, of other blessings. And as I come to this moment, I remember what it cost for me to have all these blessings. I mean, this just didn't happen because I'm a, I'm a neat guy. 
No, it happened because Jesus spilled his blood. It happened because his body was broken so that I could have all that. And, and Jesus says, remember. And so in the memory, I'm, I'm loving God and I'm appreciating God and I'm, I'm wanting to give gratitude to God. But then that'll lead to another kind of very individually feeling moment. It leads to confession. Because as I come here and I try to appreciate and respect what it costs for me to have what I have, I, I realize there are words and, and actions and attitudes in the last several days, several weeks, the last several months that are entirely contradictory to what I say I'm here doing. I'm here to tell God how much I appreciate what Christ did for me, even though just... Days ago, there were these words or these actions or these attitudes that say something very different, that say, I don't really care one bit. I, I don't appreciate it at all. And when I recognize that in me, then the only right response is to say, wow, Lord, I, as I'm here to tell you how much I love you and how grateful I am, I realize I've got words and actions that communicate something differently, and I just want to acknowledge that that's wrong. I want to acknowledge that that is sin. I want to ask Holy Spirit for your help and, and not just feeling sorry, but actually repenting. So you think about all I've just described. I mean, those were all kind of, those were individual moments, right? It's interesting in all this that is going on individually, the New Testament and really Christian history doesn't show us anywhere where a person does this by themselves. It's It's together. We, we, we come into this moment as a family together. How, how important we understand that, that. That when Jesus said, I've earnestly desired this moment, he is imagining you and I enjoying his father, loving his father, in right relationship with his father and with each other. His body and blood didn't just make me a child of God. His body and blood made me your brother. You look, you look around the room right now. And man, you know, we're very different people. We come from different backgrounds. We have different experiences. We have different bad experiences. We have different good experiences. We, we come from different economic levels. We have different skin colors. We, we, we have different education levels. We're really very different. But what Jesus desired in this world of all of our differences, and sometimes we use these differences to do what? Push people away. What he earnestly desired was that moment where our common faith in his body and blood made us so much more alike than anything else made us different. And we loved that. We loved what made us alike. We honored what makes us alike. We serve what makes us alike. This is a moment we do as a family. You know, we're already fighting this sin nature, this selfishness, this individualism. Individualism's not a sin. It can become a sin in the way that we run away with it. But we're already fighting all that. And, and now we add to that COVID. And COVID's real. 
And our response to it. And our response to a very contagious disease has to be real. But do you realize if we're not careful, we'll let the protection of our physical health become a justification, a validation for pushing people away, keeping people at arm's distance. And listen, I don't know the the variables in your life. I don't know the different things that you're working on. And we're going to be in different places as we do that. But, but in the very height of COVID, in the very worst of COVID, the follower of Christ still has to figure out, how will I connect with the body of Christ? Or maybe after a year of this now, how, how will I reconnect with the body of Christ? Because what we do with Christ is not done alone. Not just the Lord's Supper. None of it. It's not done alone. It is together. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I pray that as the Lord looks down on this gathering here and at Midlothian, and yes, even you online that have gathered with us, I, I hope, don't you hope and pray that God looks at what's happening here and says, that's what I was talking about. That's what I was earnestly desiring when I was moments away from this horror. I saw past the horror. I saw past the torture to see this. Don't you hope he looks at us and says, yeah, that, that's it. That's why I did that. You know, as we come to this moment, think about your church for a moment. The people you worship with, serve with, egg houses with. <laughs> What comes to your heart and mind when you think of the Heights Baptist? What do you want this church to be and do for you? What do you want to be and do for this church? And we all know, right, that nothing cannot be the answer. You can't stand before the cross and say, nothing. Look around the room. All the differences here. And yet we are eternally alike in the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pause just for a moment, have a moment of silence. And as we prepare to take the the Lord's Supper, if there's just anything that you want to tell God you're thankful for, Anything you want to confess? You know, I always say, I'm going to give you just a few precious seconds to do this. I hope these moments start something that will carry on throughout the day. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayers. If you would get out the the Lord's Supper here, and uh, obviously we'll we'll start with the bread, so that should be on the top as you peel that back, and get out the wafer there. Jesus said, "This is my body; it's been broken for you." When I hear those words, I'm always mindful of what is said in Isaiah 53, that that my body was crushed. For your iniquities. 
God gives us something here in a moment. You know, why, why do we do this? You know, as I put this in my mouth and I crush it, that's to remind me of what it cost to be adopted by God, forgiven by God. You know, if you'll think about our normal thinking patterns, we tend to minimize our sins, don't we? We make them small. We make them of no real big deal. Well, that one over there, they're a lot worse than, than me. We, we spend a lot of energy making small our sins. Literally, what we're doing in this moment is realizing how incredibly big and costly they are. Jesus said, take and eat. Peel back the other one now. Jesus said of this cup that this blood seals us, locks us, secures us in a new covenant. You know what covenant is? It's a word of relationship, unconditional. I will not quit on you. Broken body and spilled blood to secure God's promise in our lives. His blood seals us in a relationship with him and each other. We're sealed in a relationship with each other. Jesus said, remember that. Take and drink. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to to gather today, to be here and to do this. Thank you for the opportunity to remember. And Lord, I pray that our remembering will have the impact you want it to have on our lives. I pray remembering will have an impact on us when we get home have an impact on us when we head into a new week. Lord, I pray in our remembrance today we have more love and gratitude for you than ever before. God, we have more desire to be like you and not like our own sinful selves than ever before. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to gather today and celebrate the Lord's Supper. And Lord, I thank you so much for each face I'm looking at. I thank you that I get to do this with each of them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.